Hey guys, welcome to Real Estate Happens. We have a great guest this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about all things investment, buy and hold flips, uh, all kinds of stuff. We have a great guest today. Joffrey Whiteside is with us. Joffrey, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on, Kenny. Man, I tell you, we just had a great lunch. Went over to uh, Cooper's Hawks, uh, maybe had a glass of wine. Now, uh, now, of course, as on the show, as always, drinking old fashions. So you've had a chance to taste it. So uh, of your old fashioned drinking career. Uh, give me a rating. One to ten. Uh, last time, but I suppose they gave me a 7.4. I was very happy with that. Yeah. Uh, where are you at on that drink? I would say a, I'm going to give it a nine. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's really good, actually. He's he's so kind. He's so kind. You know what? You're welcome. You're, you're, you're coming back. All right. We're bringing you back on the show for sure. Um, you know, we were having this discussion at lunch about, oh, my God, we talked about everything. Uh, of course, uh, Joffrey, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what you did in a, in a former life prior to real estate, uh, and then prior to that, and uh, then I've got a secret to tell about him that's going to really upset the world. But let's let's hear who you are, Joffrey. Yeah, uh, Joffrey Whiteside, originally from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, go Bucks! Uh, <laughs> decided to get in the Navy. Uh, went to the Naval Academy, and then commissioned as a SWO. Did SWO for eight years. Um, when I started off investing, I started off as an ensign um, here in a local area, and then I invest pretty much here in, in Columbus, Ohio, for for the most part. And then uh, about four years ago, I decided to get my real estate license, start up a real estate team here locally, and yeah, that's 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 me in a nutshell. Yeah, well, he skipped a really really important <laughs> factor there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him under the bus here real quick. So so you all heard him, go Bucks, right, Ohio fan. Uh, who'd you play college football for? I played at Navy. He played Navy Academy. What is wrong <laughs> with this guy? Go Bucks. What is wrong with you? Uh, so um, I'm sure you're still vested every year in uh, uh, Go Navy Beat Army. Absolutely, 100. Uh, percent All right, good, good. At least, <laughs> at least we have that. But now, let me ask you the really important question: Navy plays Ohio. Who are you pulling for? Naval Academy. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I, I can live with that. At least you, at least you went that direction. So, uh, I find it interesting. Uh, I've kind of been following, following you a little bit. You've got a great podcast called, uh, um, um, blue and gold. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, being from the Academy in Indianapolis area, you've got such a great built in, uh, network, uh, with a group of people that you obviously have a lot in common with. And I've listened to some of your podcasts and I think they're really informative and I think there's a, a great message there. So guys, listen, get on Spotify. He's, he's on there. Get, look up the blue and gold uh, podcast. It's really, really great information. What inspired you to really kind of get started doing podcasting? Uh, really just to connect with uh, high level people and really be that bridge to get their stories to, you know, people in the Navy or just the armed forces just in general to get them, you know, inspired to do something like great with their lives. There's people that have come from the same background as you that have done awesome things in a row. So honestly, just highlighting, you know, those people in those moments. I think that's amazing. Let's go back a little bit farther, uh, a little bit about when you grew up, like high school. What kind of area did you grow up? Was it a rural area? Was it an urban area? Uh, what, what kind of background did you come from? Um, so I, I grew up in the inner city of Columbus, Ohio. Um, not not the best area, but it's, it's all good. Right. Um, you know, went to public school um, through middle school and then went to a Catholic school to, you know, play play football, essentially, and for a good education. So um, really, uh, Columbus was 
you know, uh, a really a strong um, background for me. Um, not not all, you know, butterflies and stuff like that. I had some friends, you know, go to jail, get arrested, uh, that type of stuff. So I really learned from that environment. Um, but really, you know, um, going to a Catholic high school, totally different speed. So I feel like I have, um, you know, <laughs> I come from all different type of backgrounds, right? All well, different type of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that I think, you know, our background is always what shapes us. Yeah. And, you know, as well as I do, you know, I was in the Navy for 20 years. You're obviously a great Navy man. And we realize that as we're coming up in the Navy, we're going to be subjected to things that are good mm-hmm. and things that are bad. Yeah. And we, we always are able to, you know, take the leadership above us and around us and look at what works and what doesn't. And it's such a diverse environment, right? You have people from coming from everywhere with different thoughts on things. So to be able to take the parts that work and the parts that don't and put that back and then formulate those into a success for yourself is always an amazing trait for someone to have. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like you brought a lot of that background with you up through the academy and then into your real estate career, and you've kind of made those things work from you. It's very evident by what you're doing in the community that you're a great leader. Uh, we we see you now with the team. Uh, I think last year you did over $18 million, uh, in volume, which is high standards of anywhere you go. There's about 9,000. For those of you who don't know, there's about 9,000 agents in this area, and he's in the top 100. Uh, so just to be able to do that in a short span of four years – says a tremendous about uh, about you, where you've come from, and how you've done. What do you kind of attribute to how you got to that level? What did year one look like versus what year four now looks like? Um, to be honest with you, I, I think— <laughs> No, no, this, lie to me. I like it. <laughs> this, this sounds crazy, but I think the, the Navy kind of, you know, molded me for success in entrepreneurship just because, you know, you deal with people from all different, you know, walks of life in the Navy. You don't that. That's, um, yeah. So honestly, I think the Navy, as far as, um, you know, working 16 hour days, you, you were stationed on the ship working 16 hour days, you know, for eight months on the deployment, just seven days a week, seven days a week, back to back. I I think it really kind of molded me into, um, you know, this successful, I guess, successful entrepreneur at the end of the day. So, well, no, I, you you can say that word. Don't be shy of it. I mean, you (laughs) 100% are very successful. And the part that I love about you is that you are an entrepreneur. We have so many agents in the industry. They come and they do real estate and they buy and sell for agent for clients and that's it. And I think they're just missing out on some of the most valuable things and why they became an agent in the first place. Yeah. I'm going to brag on you just a little bit. So um, Joffrey started investing eight years ago. Yeah. And in an eight-year time span, he now has 70 doors that he personally works with and has ownership in. Now, you want to talk about building generational wealth. You want to talk about living a legacy. You want to talk about really making real estate count that's how you do it is by becoming an investor yourself. If you're in real estate and you're not investing and you're not looking at ways to use that knowledge to help further yourself, I think that's a problem. And you started doing that long before you got your license. And that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they did a study. I forget what study it was, but they, they said essentially the, the number one regret of a real estate agent, a high level real estate agent, right? was they wish they would have purchased more and sold less. And I think that's 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 powerful because at the end of the day, uh, you know, being a realtor, 
it, it's it's a job, right? But you know, purchasing property is more passive income, and you have the inside trade. You, you're already in this, you know, the field of real estate. So at the end of the day, I think you know agents do, uh, or anybody that you should really get into real estate because it's it's the proven path to building generational wealth over time. It doesn't happen quick. It happens over time, but if you can kind of figure out how to get in that lane, it it can definitely, you know, provide for you and your family. Well, if we go back and we talk about the Great Depression in this country, and everybody talks about the Great Depression, how hard it was and how difficult it was. But the truth is the Great Depression produced more millionaires in this country than any other time in history. And they did it through real estate. Uh, during the Great Depression, you could have bought property for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care who you were. I mean, they were just pretty much giving stuff away because they didn't, you know, couldn't do it. You know, and the people that were able to to grab that or hold on to what they had at the time came out the other end in a very, very good position. And it goes to the old adage, right? You can't time the market. It's time in the market. Yep, absolutely. Right? right? So the quicker you get in the market, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Absolutely. Um, you're going to lose money short term. Who cares? I mean, it goes up and down, but overall, it always goes up. Somebody says, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's real simple. Let's go back to when you're familiar with courthouse estates. Yeah, absolutely. Courthouse estates built in 94, 95 timeframe, somewhere mm-hmm. along in there. Uh, do you know what those houses sold for, 94, 95? I do not. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Those brand new construction homes went for about $124,000 to $150,000. Wow. Right. And, and, and <laughs> I just sold one in there for five and a quarter. Right. And we're not even really talking that long ago, right? But so if you'd have bought a house back then or rented it out or whatever, look at the equity you would have had. And it's just insane. Yeah. So how are you dealing with or – What's your long-term plan when you buy a property, right? When you buy a property now, mm-hmm. you've got to be looking at it from several different angles, long-term equity, short-term equity, cash flow. What of those things to you, what's coming to the most important thing of how you look at these properties to evaluate them for purchase? I would say, you know, when I first started off, I was, you know, I was looking more towards, you know, the long-term play and long-term equity built over time. So I was buying in, you know, areas that had like good school districts um, and, and things like that. So when I was starting off, I did like house hacking. I was renting by the room. I was doing the extra things that will generate more cash flow for me. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I was you know, focus on that long-term appreciation and it's worked out, you know, well for me. Uh, nowadays, um, I'm not allowed to buy any single family houses. Um, my wife said she will divorce me if I <laughs> get any more single family houses. Cause she, she kind of like, she's in the Airbnb space. She's, she manages the manager in the Airbnb space and she's like over it. So she was like, you know, any more single family houses, we're done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. You should say that my wife told me that about guns. Um, <laughs> right? So, but I found out that once you have so many, you can add another one and nobody really knows. Right. That's true. So you could with 70, with 70 properties. Now you could probably add one here or there and nobody might know. <laughs> you know uh, and if it's, it turns out to be a good deal, I think you'll get forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Right? But, but now, now I, I focus on kind of medium size multifamily properties uh, where I am adding value through renovations and increasing the rent and the way multi, bigger multifamilies work is if if you increase the rent, that increases the value because that's how values are assessed in units that are uh, five plus. So. Yeah. So what you're talking about there is a gross rent multiplier. Yep. Absolutely. And a gross rent multiplier is, a, is an amazing thing. Uh, last year, uh, well, 
it won't be last year now, but year before last. So 22, at the end of 22, I sold a 32-unit complex for $7.1 million. Mm-hmm. And Was it here locally? Yeah, it was here locally. Oh, man, you should call me. Yeah, I, well, I had like seven people wanting to buy that thing, right? So we sold it for Seven's cash. Seven's not bad. We sold it for cash. So oh, I don't have say. Where was it at? Uh, down at the ocean front uh, on uh, Old Virginia Beach Boulevard and Birdneck, right at the corner there. Uh, you know where Sun Title is right there on the corner? Yep, yep, absolutely. If you turn right there, those townhouses to the left that just look like townhouses, mm-hmm. they're actually owned by one person hmm. and they were, uh, they're actually zoned as apartments. Nice. So they're all three bedroom, two and a half bath, the townhouses, just amazing. The thing is, is that the guy that owned them built them. And mm-hmm. he built them, um, I want to say, sometime in the 90s. Was he a Navy chief? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, I, know, I know a Navy chief that owns a, a ton of units in the area. So No, he was. Uh, so the man is uh, uh, a guy. I love the guy to death. His name's Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, down at the uh, uh, Norfolk waterfront, mm-hmm. there was a barge building thing called Allied. Okay. And Allied owned probably a mile and a half of shoreline in downtown Norfolk. Mm-hmm. And he sold that in the 90s. I want to say for like I don't know, 160 million, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this is a guy who grew up in South Norfolk. Um, I, he still owns the first house that he ever bought, a little two bedroom house over off of Bainbridge Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it comes from nothing, kind of worked his way up, you know, through life, and uh, has done very, done very, very well. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So when he sold Allied, um, he built this. His son in law is a contractor and builder. He built this, right? And he has had it rented out for a very, very long time, and he's never really raised the rent too much on people. So so here we are with a complex that's all rented out between fourteen hundred and fourteen ninety five. In Virginia Beach. In Virginia Beach. <laughs> so you mentioned something, you said value add, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that bought the property, they looked at it and said, Oh, because my you know, my gross rent multiplier based on our cap rate in the area and one thing or another, we're about seven to seven two somewhere along in there mm-hmm. they bought the property they immediately immediately started as leases were coming up raised the rent to 21 and 2200 and if the people said no and moved out then they renovated the unit and raised it to 2300 yeah right and as they work through all of those and they get all of that turned over now Instead of units at 14 and 50, they're at 23 and 24. What do you think that did to the gross rent multiplier on the back end? Right? So now they've invested the 7.1, probably another 1.5 in rehab, and they're, what, well above $10 million in value on that property yeah. easily. So what a great concept to be able to find something like that that is underrated or undervalued or under-rented understand that you can put more money into it and how it doesn't along. And I think more agents should really be able to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. And then on the flip side of that, they probably pulled money out of that deal, right? They would, would you say they purchased it for 7 million, 7.1, yeah, uh, 7.1. And it sounds like it will be worth a little bit more than 10 million, but um, even, once they get it rehabbed and re-rented and get that out there, I think so. Yeah, yeah probably double. So you're, <laughs> yeah. you're talking about, you know, um, even if you didn't pull all the equity out, even if you did like 50%, you could go, you know, buy an, another, you know, multifamily a, a apartment. So yeah. that's that's the game. It is is a great game. You know, and I talk to agents and agents will be like, well, and, and here's the question they always ask. Joffrey, how the hell do you own 70 uh, places? How do you get all those finances? How do you, and, and I think agents are remiss. And I'm going to talk about a deal 
that I tried to do this weekend where the listing agent, and you know, God bless them. I have nothing against them. I'm not mad at them or anything, but due to a lack of understanding of, of real estate in general, they left $9,000 on the table for their seller that they could have had for their seller. And what we're talking about obviously is subject to, and you say subject to, and 90% of the agents you say that to are going to be like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? They, they don't, under, they don't get it because they, they think that the only deals that can, to, are to be made are the ones that are written on a rain contract. And that mm-hmm. makes up such a small portion of the pie. Yeah. And there's so many other creative, wonderful ways to do business and to get things done. I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. So on this particular property, I offered right at 250,000 cash and told them, look, if you'll let me explain to you what a subject to deal is, I can actually give you 260,000. Mm-hmm. And it was just a foreign concept to them, and they were just listening to reply, not trying to listen to understand. If they would have listened to me, I would have explained that in purchasing this house, I am going to go and get a hard money lender, and I'm going to bring that money in. That's generally going to run 8 to 10%. Mm-hmm. And if I borrowed $200,000 from that hard money lender at 8 to 10%, that's sixteen to $20,000 in interest that I have to pay back over the next six months while I rehab and flip the property. If they would have just simply left the loan in place, allowed me to take over the payments of that loan, hence the subject to, subject to the current mortgage, mm-hmm. deeded it in my name and let me do that, I would have been more than glad to pay them ten to $12,000 in interest yeah. versus paying sixteen or twenty to a hard money lender. I would rather the seller get that money. Yeah. And, and, and what that does, it allows me to help the seller really get out of a tough situation. Mm-hmm. The agents get their commission. I get the house. I get to do the work, and it works well for everybody. But, Joffrey, you just can't get people to understand that or at least pause long enough to 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 listen to what might work. Yeah, yeah. And I and I definitely kind of um, agree with that. Um, did you try to kind of like break it down into like a one-pager? You know how simple people are, right? People are very simple. Um, what I found that, you know, work for me, if they don't understand like a certain, uh, you know, subject, whether that be a VA assumable or a subject to try to break it down into very simplified one page, no more than one page, right. Or a short email, (laughs) you know, here's the really sad part. As I start to explain this to the agent, They cut me off and they said, I've already talked to my broker. And my broker said, just get a cash deal and accept nothing else. And I'm like, okay, well, it's the worst advice your broker could have ever given you. Yeah. You know, so it's just breaks my heart sometimes that I'm truly trying to help somebody, trying to get something done for them. And they just won't stop long enough to to listen. Yeah. And we could all win at it. You know, I, I bought a house probably a month ago. Um, and there was no equity in the house. It probably mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, I think the house was uh, payoff and I was like 274, uh, the value like 280. Mm-hmm. There's no value there, but it had a very low interest rate. They were starting to get behind. They needed to be out from under this house. They needed to be away from it. So I was able to do a subject to, right? And their payments are 1860, right? I got them away from the house that was killing them. It needed about eight or $9,000 worth of work rehab, which they didn't have. And I've got it re-rented now for twenty three twenty four ninety five. 24 95. Yeah. So I've got a, you know, it's not a lot, but it's a, you know, four or $500 a month cash flow. By the way, Janet's managing that for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I'll wait until we move down the road uh, and there's some equity gains in the house. I'll rehab it and I'll sell it then. And that's the play right there. It doesn't mm-hmm. take a tremendous amount of money to buy these properties. Has that been your experience? 
Um, I would say for the most part, um, my tactic is honestly doing like joint ventures or syndications, bringing other people along. You you kind of never want to go at it alone. Um, I know we talked at at lunch. Um, you know, I have a couple you know properties and stuff. Um, that you offered to partner with me, right? I don't necessarily have the experience in flipping and stuff like that. So you offer that tactic to me. So my tactic has been more so like raising capital or just doing JVs. I'm putting my own capital in, but I'm I'm going in with people. So that that's been my tactic over over time. I think it's a there's and again it just goes to show that there's way more uh, ways to do business than just buy and sell property. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, the other thing I found fascinating about you is you're, you're running a team over there and you're wanting to grow that team. Talk about that a little bit and kind of where you see yourself going in 24. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have a, a team of four people really right now, two admins and two other agents. Um, and we're actually looking to expand. I think I have a, a good system that's scalable and repeatable. Um, so I don't know if any agents listen to this podcast. I will be happy to, you know, speak to you and, you know, put you on the right path. Um, I think we talked about it at lunch. As, as long as you can, you know, stay disciplined and do the day in, day out work, you'll be fine. Uh, especially if you're like personable, that, that makes it even, you know, better at the end of the day. Um, so I'm a strong believer in, you know, just like building authentic, you know, relationships over time. So that's what, you know, our team is focused on building authentic relationships with the people we do know. And then the people we don't know, we, we build relationships with those people as well, whether they're coming from, you know, uh, cold calls or anything like that. It's just being a human. You don't want to cold call somebody and be like, you know, um, I want to buy your house, right? You know, <laughs> like you, that's the, <laughs> you have to build rapport before, you know, uh, before you try to assist them. And that's the way we think about it, right? Is I have a really good service and I'm just trying to help you out. What, what do you need help with at the end of the day? If we come with that um, servant leadership, right? Uh, in everything that we do and we provide the service and we genuinely want to get to know people. And let's be honest, when you, when you're talking about a real estate, that's a pretty big thing. And, you know, do you, you should always want to have some type of a relationship or know somebody at a certain level before you do that kind of business with them. At least I do. Mm-hmm. If we could get more agents to stop talking about real estate and start to get to know people, mm-hmm. they would do so much better at this. Absolutely. Um, I know you're a great lead generator and you're, you're great at, at, at conversions. Uh, and I know that's going to be your focus in 24. If you're an agent out there and you want to talk to Joffrey about, if you're struggling and you want to talk to Joffrey, Joffrey, how can they get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on Instagram or you could just text me, uh, 757-831-0532. Um, my Facebook is Joffrey Whiteside. Um, that's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, Whiteside. Um, and my Instagram is Joffrey the Realtor underscore. He has all of those social media channels down. I struggle <laughs> with that. I do. Oh, my gosh. I have uh, Alex Bird uh, from um, uh, Social Bird Co. Uh, mm-hmm. She's my social media coach, and she's been doing a pretty good job for me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I've never been really good at social media. Just, <laughs> I guess I'm just too fucking old. Right? I mean, let's just be honest about it. Joffrey, if you had one piece of advice for mm-hmm. the agents that are out there today uh, of how they can improve their business or what they can do 
to really kind of take care of themselves in 2024? What would that be? I would say um, start with kind of like a niche market, whether that be like your database or some type of, I don't know if you're, if you're prior military, look into the military. Um, I think too many people focus, uh, try honestly, try to do too much. You need to focus on that one thing and get good at that one thing. I don't know what it is. It might be cold calling. It might be just if you have a big database, it might be focusing on that. But my piece of advice is, you know, focus on that one thing, master that one thing until it gets you um, the, re- the results you want um, and then kind of expand from there. I think that's a downfall of a, of a lot of just business owners just in general is they don't, you know, focus on that one thing. I think a lot of people lose focus and we talk about accidental real estate. We won't get into that right now, but I think consistently consistency and systematically mm-hmm. having a system that will help you be consistent and time blocking yep. and doing the things you know, every day, the blocking and tackling, I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing fancy and nothing sexy about blocking and tackling, but it's what wins football games. Yep. Right. Absolutely. It's what wins football <laughs> games and nobody wants to do the blocking and the tackling, right? They get right. bored, they give up and guys, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Joffrey, thank you so much for being on the, uh, on the uh, podcast today. Uh, I would uh, love this um, to uh, get out there to as many people as possible because like, I think you've got a great message. I think you uh, are a real asset to the industry and we're just Really glad to have you. I appreciate you having me on, Kenny. All right, guys, have a good one. Look, uh, join us. We'll hit you up on our next podcast. Uh, You've been here today with us uh, with uh, Real Estate Happens. Have a good one.